Welcome to the Coffee and Cocaine Show for the 15th consecutive public salon. I am Mr. Davis. This is Mr. Barrington Martin, Mr. David Walker, and Miss Viserant. Because that's actually not her real name, but it's a nom de plume of sorts. Uh, she's our guest this week. Thank you for coming on, everybody. Hello. How y'all been? Good. Excellent. How are you? Oh, I'm phenomenal. I've never been happier in my entire life. I shit you not. It has been such a healthy week for me. Love to see it. Love to see it, David. Well, I think you're muted, David. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and this is what brings up today's topic. So I, thankfully, have had the pleasure of talking to my mother this week, which is such a weird thing to say, but I don't have a good relation. I, I don't have like the most solid history with my mom from the outside perspective. Um. And my childhood is more traumatic. If if we were comparing lives, which we should never do, don't do that. Don't compare yourself to others. It's really unhealthy. But if we were to just objectively compare, I have had an extremely hard childhood in which it's surprising that I'm not down the route that I was that led me to gangsterism, crime, and fucking not giving a shit about people. Uh. And I, you know, th I, I have been in a process of healing from this since I was about eight. Hmm. And I, you know, some of it was good. Some of it was bad. The reality is it takes a long time to learn these things. And, and that's what I'm trying to try to share. And I know that you guys have a lot of experience in your own personal growth and your own traumas in your life. We all do. And ways in which we can address these. And so like, I just want to kind of quick run down. So that people can kind of come where I'm, understand where I am coming from. Oftentimes, people watch and, you know, I'm Andrew and Mr. Davis is, he's, he's an asshole. People, people tend to, like, assume a lot of my intentions are negative. And the reality is, is that I just, I've had a very hard life to get to where I'm at. And I see things in a very uh, blunt manner because I, because I've escaped so much. So. I was born with cancer. If you look over, oh, wrong eye. What? No, it is this eye. So if you look over my eye, I have a fuck, or is it this one? Oh, yeah, it's this one. <laughs> if you look over my eye, I have a scar of my eye. I was born with cancer. I was born with, I had a fraternal twin. She died at birth. Right. Until I was a, a small child, I fucking was going through chemotherapy and radiation. That in itself isn't really the worst thing. Tell you the truth, because I made it. I'm fine. In fact, I love saying I'm a cancer survivor because I am like, that's dope. But my mom was a single mom. Um, there was three of us boys and none of our daddies were around. Some of our daddies were in prison. Some of them were just pieces of shit. Uh, and so my mom worked three jobs a lot. And sometimes she couldn't and we ended up homeless. Throughout that time, my mom trusted many people in her life, as many single mothers end up doing. They bring in people that they trust to uh, their homes, around their children. And to a certain extent, even couples do this because, you know, we all have social lives. And there are all people who interact with our babies uh, that we trust and we bring in from the outside. And because of that, I've had babysitters try to smother me to death. I've had babysitters throw me against the wall thinking that they'd killed me. I've been sexually abused a bunch. And so have my brothers. 
And then I was abandoned when I was eight, which is a living death for a child. And not only was I abandoned, then I went from family member to family member being used and lied to and told that I would be taken care of, that they wouldn't do me like the others did. But they always ended up doing that. And when you're a child, you mean you're a child. Things are very plain. Most children are not manipulative. You might think they are, but it's very short-sighted on what their um, interests are. Very short-sighted. They're not that complex of creatures yet. They have to develop into that. And ultimately, I ended up getting abandoned twice, kicked around, being told that I was worthless, being used. For example, like the best, the best example of, of me being used is this. I moved in with my Uncle Jared in Washington State. And we went, he was a Christian, is a Christian, and he went to the church of Billy Graham's brother. Uh, and on one Christmas uh, program in front of literally 10,000 people, they handed me a microphone, me and my brother's a microphone, to talk about what a piece of shit my mom was and how my uncle's a great man because he believes in Jesus and he isn't a Jew anymore. This happened. And that is an example of me being used. That is literally being used. Making a baby, because I was still, I was like fucking eight, nine, like, I was just a little kid when all this happened. And I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I was doing the right thing because an adult that I trusted told me to. Long story short, I have a lot of these issues. And then there's more. There's a, so much more. And a lot of it I'm not really comfortable talking about yet. Not with anybody other than my wife or some of my best friends. And I've had some therapists over the years because, you know, sometimes that's necessary. But I can tell you this. I am a functional human being. My brothers are not. Both of my brothers are broken, broken people. Both of my brothers live in delusional worlds. They are bitter, they are angry, and they are mean. And they don't take accountability for that at all. And that's the thing, is there's a certain amount of accountability that we have to discuss. Because what happened to me happened to my mom. And on and on and on. Okay? So we're talking about a generational habit. And that's really harmful. So these are, my mom loves me. I know she does. Don't anybody get it twisted. You talk shit about my mom, I'll, I'll hit you straight in the mouth. But it doesn't mean what happened was right, and it doesn't mean that she, that she didn't do some wrong in that. But I've long, long, I've long forgiven her. The main thing to start with is that forgiveness is for your fucking self. Secondly, it is important to understand that why something happened and how. And to verbalize it a lot with somebody you trust, whether that be your friend, your dog, it doesn't matter what you talk to. It could be a cactus. I have a cactus in my window. Bet you didn't know that. Um, so that you can work it out in your head. And then comes the really hard part. 
confronting how those how those things affects you to this day to the to 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 your relationships to so for instance like i have abandonment issues so i'm scared of people leaving me so i will go above and beyond even if it's fucking myself over to keep someone there and that's not always true because i'll also jump to the other end and say well fuck you you're gonna leave anyways and push them away dependent on the situation you as an individual we as individuals know if you step back outside those emotions, even though that's really difficult and extremely painful to do so, you know what, how you react once you're calmed down. Once you're able to look back a little bit, you can see what you did. And then you'll have to start learning to use something called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is free and it's easy in theory. In practice, it's extremely challenging because it takes incredible discipline. You will have to start thinking about what your how, how your emotions and how you're responding to situations. You'll have to start thinking about what what this person really wants, if they're trying to use you or not, but not without being paranoid. There's so much to it. I encourage you to look up cognitive behavioral therapy. And if you want your children, if you want your friends, if you want your loved ones to not suffer from the traumas of your past, because it's not their fault then you have to address it because the more you let it fester, the more you let it, you blame someone else, the worse you're going to, you're going to either hurt yourself on the inside by keeping it in or you're going to hurt others. And eventually if you keep it in, it'll bleed out. And that's just kind of the beginning synopsis of what I wanted to say to open this up. Uh, it's very serious and it's important. So Whoever wants to so, talk, go ahead. Um, you probably know, Barrington, you and I have disagreements when it comes to the nuclear family. And I think now would be a good time for me to talk about exactly why. So, um, like An Andrew and I actually have had sort of similar experiences and sort of different at the same time. Um, I had been part of a nuclear family. My parents never did divorce. But in an emotional in an emotional sense, they had abandoned me many times in my life uh, in favor of their church, their religion, and other things as well. And I know that goes back to both my parents were abandoned as well as kids. So I can see the issue here that Andrew is talking about. Um, but going back to that, and there, like I said, unlike unlike you, Andrew, I'm still not at that stage yet where I'm ready to forgive them. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's for yourself. It's not for them. It's See, for the, yourself. The thing is, though, because you're worth though, loving. You're I worth felt, loving. Okay, but I felt like if you forgive, and especially the church and the community that I was around, if I for, if I forgive them, that means they won. No. And I can't. No, a, um, I'm no. sorry, David. I gotta, I'm sorry I you feel that way. No, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's no, no, no. You have to remember, I, I, I say this to everybody. I need everybody who's watching to know, like, when you forgive, you're not saying what happened was okay. And you're not saying what they did was okay. You're saying, I need to let go or I need to process it in a way where I can be okay. 
where you give yourself the permission to be okay. And, and trust me, I am the one person on this planet who knows how hard, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what you're feeling. My own mother tried to kill me. She tried to murder me. And she's still, you know, nothing's happened to her. The, I, the police don't care. Nobody cares. Nobody in this planet cares about what happened. And I get told all the time, just move on, just move on, just move on, just forgive. And the, the word forgive got so twisted for me that I hated it. That I was like, fuck you guys, seriously, fuck you for trying to make me forgive this asshole who doesn't deserve anything. But you kind of transmorph it later when you go, I'm, I'm not forgiving you. I, I, you become irrelevant. You're not even fucking like, you're not even important anymore. You, you're, then you start going, I need it. I mean, I'm at a point, though, where, like, I'm reconciling with them, and things have been getting a lot better, especially over the last, I'd say, seven or eight months. So things have gotten way better, and part of that is because well, part of that is because our political beliefs have actually started aligning a little bit. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but, but it here's is. The th like, it all comes down like forgiveness starts because you need to forgive the situation. You need to forgive that because you need to love yourself. Forgiveness is loving yourself. It's hard. Barrington really wants to say something. It looks like he's muted. And I'm going to let him talk. Give him the platform. Mr. Barrington Martin II. Oh, man. I'm just thinking because um, this is this is very interesting in, in my mind because I think that all of us share some type of emotion towards how or experiences that we have had in our childhood. But I think um, like my first step to enlightenment and what I mean by that is when I start to understand that I couldn't take people's misdeeds against me personal because essentially one everybody has their own shit that they're dealing with or trying to process and sometimes people love to project their own issues onto a person love yeah. to do that um yeah. also when it comes to parents and this is something that i had to that I, that I was blessed enough to understand and see at a young age when we grow up as kids we only look at our our parents as a mommy and daddy or mother and father, we've yeah. only, we've only, we've only seen them that way. Like that's the only title that that they've ever had with us, right? And then when we get to a certain age, we we start to be able to process mommy and daddy from the individual. So we get to see who they are, like towards the world or the perception that the world has for them, and then we are able to juxtapose each of these titles. And so I'm saying that because it's important to note that. Our parents didn't have an instruction manual when they were born into this world. They did with the, whatever the best that they could based off of the information and the knowledge they received from our grandparents, who also wasn't born with an instruction manual. So they did the best that they could from what was taught by their by our great grandparents and on so forth and so can, forth. Can I make a quick distinction, Barrington? Go ahead. Go ahead. And you got to remember, a hundred years ago, sixty percent of the world didn't couldn't read. Yeah. You got to remember, that's why it's important. That's why we're talking about actual generational trauma here, because your parents learned what they learned from their parents. And you, as, you, as a baby, of course, you're not at fault for any of that. But you have to come to grips with it. Go ahead. Right. right. So like when you think about it, like, for example, excuse me, uh, both sets of my grandparents grew up like they were babies or like I would say almost kids in the great depression. So mind you, they have certain experiences that they're teaching my parents, like 
about the time that they live. And I'm only saying this because you you tend to or you're able to start giving your parents grace because essentially your parents are the people that mess you up in life. Like whatever issues that they have, they they like legitimately, literally pass them on to you. Now, you as a, a as an adult, in my mind, you have to figure out ways to mitigate those and, and figure out, okay, how, how am I going to correct what the wrong things that they, they've taught me indirectly and how I'm going to also perfect the great things that they've taught me. And that's, that's like how I see it because like my parents, I feel like in regards to me, my parents had to be my parents. Like nobody else could, could raise me, but those two people legitimately seriously, because they had, the, they understood the patience. They understood everything they, they needed to have in order for me to be prepared within the world. And of course I understand as an adult now, why they raised me, why they were hard on me, why they were unfair in my book. But as I'm like getting older, I'm totally able to understand and undersee their perspective as, as far as the decisions they made for myself and my siblings. I think that's a great distinction. And it's, it's exactly a part of what I was saying. You know, you have to be able to understand what happened, why it happened, so that you can come to grips with it and, and change these things so you can prevent these mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's where personal accountability comes in. You know what I love about millennials? What's up? We're all millennials. What I love about millennials is that, uh, and my <laughs> wife pointed this out to me, honestly. My wife is a wise woman. Uh, she she pointed out to me that our generation, from what she can tell, is really the first generation that started to really give a shit about mental health. And to talk about these problems that we have a little more openly. And I thank Gen X for that because they made it okay in the public space by saying we should be able to do that. Can I say one? Let me interject really quickly and I'm going to let you finish. We're, we're the last generation to have like after school specials. Do you, you, all, you all know that, right? Like we're legitimately the last generation where we, we can watch our favorite sitcoms and you like, they'll say, oh, well, this is a special episode of what they're talking about. And then it could be about like gun violence. It could be about AIDS. Like, yes, AIDS. Like we're the, like kids today don't have that. They don't have, they don't have that. And so I really feel like we're, I, put it like this. Our generation is going to make or break wherever our, wherever our society, worldwide society goes. Legitimately. Right, so. We're, we are the last of the Mohicans. Because, we, like, seriously, we grew up without technology. And then we essentially were able to, um, you know, be immersed within technology and know how to use it. Now it's either kids are just thrown into it. We know what it was like. Like our communication is on a whole nother level. We we are the last generation to have to call someone and speak to their parents before we speak to them. Kids don't know what it's like to have to be respectful to adults or have a certain tone towards adults. They just can they they have their access is way different than ours. Sorry, Andrew, go ahead. No, you're okay. No, that's that's a important thing. Um there's a problem with our generation as well, though. And it's not everybody, but I see it a lot. And you're seeing it on social media a ton. Is that we have these traumas. We talk about these traumas. But we're not willing to confront, take accountability to how they make us act. You'll see this. In fact, if you want a direct thing that some people are probably going to hate, but I don't really, you know, that's okay. You're allowed to hate it. Uh, dislike the video if you hate this. Um, <laughs> we make it so we impose these problems onto others. 
That's why trigger warnings and things exist. That's somebody imposing their traumas onto the to society. And it's our duty to our fellow humans that we're supposed to fucking love, right? I mean, we're supposed to love our fellow man to not make our pain theirs. In fact, if you, it's more, it's more wonder, it's, nothing is better than helping someone re be relieved of their pain. So why are you going to do the opposite and give someone your pain? So we need to be able to address these things to a certain extent. And it's not like cut and dry. It sounds a little more brutal than it is. But that's just because I'm a really blunt person. So you just need to, you, like, it's important you have a friendship group. It's important you have a, a group of people that are willing to help you. Or people that you trust, that you can talk to. Because you're going to still need people to get through. You can't do it on your own. You could try and you can make some progress, but you can't do it on your own. It's like, it's nuanced. But you can't do it to strangers. You got to do it to the people you love who who want to help you, who want the best for you. So I, I see you want to say something, Fizz. Get out of here. Well, I just want, I just want to say I understand. Uh, how do I say this? There's a fine line between dumping your problems on other people and then reaching out for help. Because I think that's where um, I've noticed online uh, a lot of people um, kind of fight about that. And they, they bicker about that. And I've, yeah. I've had to be in the middle of that situation before. And I've, I've even, you know, I, I don't know if we remember early Yang Gang issues. Sup? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know, you have to ask, um, oh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say his name. But, um, yeah. you know, he was somebody who had a lot of generational trauma, a lot of issues. And uh, instead of being considerate and asking someone if they have the mental bandwidth to, uh, you know, to handle this information or, or to receive it, uh, he just went around and, and was trying to get that kind of sympathy from everybody. And a lot of people, a lot of people do this online. A lot of people just want sympathy or they just want, you know, whatever, but like, you have to ask someone, Hey, like, can are you are you okay to hear what I have, what I need to process, and that's absolutely okay to ask. Yeah, but like, yeah, but th that people need to understand that you can absolutely reach out for help. Please do that, but make sure you ask first. Can it's, I, you know, drop this huge freaking bomb on you? <laughs> it's um, it's emotionally straining on anybody. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, yeah, and and it's oh, man, it's and it's so hard, and it's like something we gotta work on. We're adults now. Mm -hmm. We're adults. Millennials are in their late 30s, early 40s, and, and in their early 30s. I mean, I'm 30. Wait, am I 32? <laughs> I'm 32 years old. It's hard to see. I'm getting so old. I'm forgetting my own fucking age. 30 <laughs> is not old. Stop it. <laughs> well, compared to yesterday, I'm old. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's our time to step up. It's our time to change. It's time that we advance with with technology and we need to change human society and how we view these things. You know, what I was trying to get at previously was like our parents were raised like this. At least most of them that I've met of that generation are met like, met like, like this, especially men. Mm -hmm. If you have a problem, if you're suicidal or, you know, you're you have something that really fucking fucked you up. 
Which, by the way, after today, there will be no swearing on this channel. We're going to be PG-13 from now on. Um, <laughs> well, and that's a YouTube thing. We can get into that later. Yeah. Uh, they were told that they needed to suck it up. Man up. Don't be weak. And if you and if you did talk about that you wanted to hurt yourself, which, you know, that's sad. Or, or that you felt a certain way. Or do you have anxiety or, or, or you're bipolar or something? You know, instead of seeking help, you kept it to yourself because either you were insane, you were weak. You know, there was all these negative connotations on it. And so, like, in some of my family and some of other people that are related to me in other ways, they're not willing to look and see the problems within them because that is a sign of weakness for them. That, that that to them means that they are less than, than a good person. It means they're bad. And there's a perspective on that that isn't healthy. And this, so like we were never taught how to express this correctly. We were just told to express. And now it's time for us to take up the reins to express it correctly so that we can heal and grow as people. Yeah. That's what I have to say. I feel like when you're talking about social media though, I mean – Whoever yells and cries the loudest is the one that gets the most clout. So that's part of the reason why a lot of people act the way that they act with the trigger warnings and whatnot is because of clout mostly. And that's because we have said as a generation, and it's our generation that, that made this happen. You can, blame right. Gen, you can blame Gen Z all you want, but it's us. It's the millennials. No, it, it's millennials. And, and also it a lot of it is also dependent on like how you look and how you present yourself to on your Twitter account. Uh, or Facebook yeah. or Insta or, or whatever. Yeah. Because it's all the same. It's all the same. Or even how much or even how high your follower count is as well. That makes a difference. How people react to a celebrity is very different from how they react to someone who has 10 followers. Well, and people like to look good. You want to look like a good yeah. person in front of all your friends that aren't really your friends. They're acquaintances at best. Until you sat and done what we're doing here, you can't even say that you're friends. Because yeah. you've only ever chatted with them online. You don't know. Um, so like an uh, example. You know how I got my first thousand followers in the Yang Gang? I know David does. I shared my abandonment story. And I said that if a UBI existed which I did this with purpose and I believed in it at the time. I wasn't trying to get pity. I was just trying to get the message across. Yeah. Um, I said, if UBI existed, my mom would have never had to drop me off at my aunt Luann's house. And this chain of events would have never occurred because she could have afforded us. She could have afforded to be around us. And I got a thousand followers like that. And why? Because people were sympathetic and they got to look sympathetic, which made them look like a nice person in front of the, all the other people. Mm-hmm. Now, I can talk about the things that are going to change your life so that you can be hands down on the most successful person here. And it's and that's just by objective terms, hands down. But I'm not better than any of these people. You can talk to Barrington. You can talk to David. You can talk to Viz. I talk about equality. I don't put myself above them. I don't talk down to them. Why? Because they have the same equal value and money and all that and degrees and all that really isn't that important when it comes to the talking about value of people at the end of the day 
Ooh, hold on, guys. I just got, I just worked myself up. I just worked myself up. And you calm down. <laughs> Let's take a breather for like. Seven. At the end of the day, I just yeah. want people to be successful. And I want people to be good to themselves. I want people to good, be good to each other. I want people to pursue their dreams, whatever those dreams may be. And to love themselves enough so that if you criticize about pursuing your dreams, you can say and be okay with it. Because individuality comes with a cost. And that cost is alienating those who wish to control you or impose their bullshit on you. Which is, wasn't that, that really awesome black lady on TikTok said that, Barrington. What's her name? This is Savvy. This is Savvy. I love that girl. Yeah, she's a Savannah. She's so on it. But on, yeah. on point. On point. So like, yeah, that's where I'm at with it, man. And it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy of an idea. It's not that crazy of a concept. You know, and and I, I I'm I'm not very good at like being emotionally relatable for people. I am not good at it. I'm not good at making things sound soft. I'm a hard man. Genuinely, a hard man. I'm I'm a nut to crack. But once you crack it, I'm the most loyal, loving person you'll ever meet. So Know that, like, when I talk about this shit, I want to talk about this shit. I don't want to talk about my sad fucking existence that has happened in the past in order to get you to listen. And you shouldn't want to have to listen to my sad fucking past in order to get the advice that you need or could use to advance yourself. And our perspective and our, our trying to look good in front of other people, the way that I have been talking about here, is detrimental to us as individuals and those around us. It's detrimental to those kids that we're going to raise or we are raising. And I, God damn it, we need to do something about it. That's very true. Like, and, it, you know, there's so much to it. Like, you know, David, you might be against nuclear families. Not every nuclear family is good. Not every couple is healthy. I'm not necessarily against nuclear families. I just don't think that they automatically are the best solution. Like and, and, in my case, for example, I feel like if my parents divorced and my parents met, whether or not they met other people or not, I probably would have been better off. I'll be honest with you. And why that you, might be, and that's true. Why you say that? Oh, go ahead, David. Go ahead. Yeah, because, because to me, having to deal with one bad parent would have been easier. One abusive religious parent would be easier than having to deal with two abusive religious parents at once. That's the big reason why. And also, but... Then again, it's still like my odds weren't very good being around an environment of other uh, – uh, they were trying to force me into an environment of other people. I always watched all the time. All, all they would – like, well, they let me watch other things. But like I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons until I was like 16 okay. as an example. All right? <laughs> That's a good example. Uh, the only things that they encouraged us to watch are like stuff out of TVN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, um, PBS until I was about 13. Then they kind of threw that by the wayside. Hmm. Uh, Daystar, what three ABS. So, so there are three, like Christian the three ma- yeah, yeah, the three major Christian yeah. channels are TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, Three Angels Broadcasting Network, and Daystar. So those are the three. Uh, those were the three big ones, um, and we had them all on satellite TV. They even cut our cable when I was in high school. So it's like 
any uh, i was i was talking with friends about like nicktoons and whatnot the other day and it was like after rocket power i actually don't know anything <laughs> about anything that was a good yeah. show. Question: I got a question for you, David. So, yeah. when you when you look at your life right now, mm-hmm. and you look at how you were raised, like what is it about how you were raised that you appreciate right now that you know that if you didn't experience, you wouldn't be the person that you are? Honestly, I don't really have one. I'll be honest with you because I feel like what happened with my life has really stunted my social growth to a point where I'm only now starting to catch up with everyone else. I spent most of my 20s basically isolated mm-hmm. um, and being kicked out of like these internet groups because they were the only they were the only things I could really they were the only types of people that I could really relate with. But eventually we get into a fight and I'm always the one that's to blame. And it doesn't matter what interest it was and it doesn't matter what we did. I just had the I just had a problem with that. It did stunt my growth in life in general. And it took me until honestly. I had to, the first major thing I did was, um, it was kind of, it kind of came out one, two punch. The first major thing I did that helped me out was I deconverted from Christianity, August, 2014. So that was almost seven years ago. Right. Um, and then the second thing I did, which actually we're coming up on, uh, tomorrow will be six years since I have left Las Vegas. Okay. Oh no, it will be, it'll be Tuesday. Actually, my bad. It'll be Tuesday, six years. I left Las Vegas. Let me ask two questions. Yeah. Do you think that your family is an outlier? Do you think that's on which on which demographic? On the just the fact that two parents raising a kid was negative for a child. Do you think that that is the commonality? I don't think so. But as far as that particular demographic of people, evangelicals, I think they were probably above average in parenting. My uncle is an evangelical. He was awful to me. He's wonderful to his kids. Well, still, you know, I've known other. Okay. I was around a group of people that I knew all like far, super far left, crazy people and whatnot. Um, There, there were six of us and we all were abused by our families. I'm the only one left living. They all killed themselves. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I totally get it. You know, we've had this discussion. My uncle Jared was very evangelical, just very similar to you. Thankfully, I lived with him for a few years. So I kind of understand what you're going for. Mr. Jeremy yeah. Simmons showed his comment because, yeah, there's a lot of people that go through this. Yeah. Um, but I, but the reason why we talk about the nuclear family as the, is because it's the, on, on average, it's better. As opposed on to average, not. on average, yes. But do I think that it's a, it's not the only uh, answer. That, like the economy and everything is going to be cured overnight with the nuclear family. No, no, no that's not even so. about the economy, my friend. That's just about healing. Or, or, or just, or just the country as a whole will just suddenly heal up overnight. If everyone no. were back in nuclear families, I don't believe so. No, it'll take, think, it'll take, it'll take generations, David. And, and I'm not even thing. saying like, you know, I don't think single parent, single parent households are not better. No. But, you know, there's also multi-generational households as well, where like the grandparents live with the family and great-grandparents live with the family or aunts and uncles. You know, there's other, it takes all kinds. And I feel like the, the bigger factor, while nuclear family might help over a single parent household, I think the bigger factor is those parents should learn how to properly raise their child and understand their child. And once but, they understand their child. But David. Yes. What if what if these people were raised in a certain way to where they think that they understand how to raise their child? 
but they haven't confronted the demons of their past. So that this is what's happened to you. This is what's happened to me. I'd sure bad damn put money on Viz's mom having that having happened to her. Well, okay. Well, I will say things have gotten better. Things yeah. have gotten way better the last year. Eight, I say seven, eight months. But as, back at that time, I don't know. I have a quick question for you guys. Okay, so <laughs> have you ever heard anybody in your family or I guess – if you go back in your history or whatever, ever talk about like a family curse, like oh, the the so and sos with you know with this last name they have the they're they're struck with bad luck, right? And it's like a running joke, right? You heard you heard about that? Actually, I've, I've heard people talk about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna tell you guys something really interesting. So my father is named my father's name is John Walker. He was actually born Rodney Leisure. He changed his name when he moved to, I believe when he moved to Vegas, I could be wrong about that, but he changed his name like when he was an adult. So I actually almost would have been named David Leisure. <laughs> Mr. Leisure. Yeah. I love it. Leisure. Leisure. I know. -E I, I, I'm purposely mispronouncing it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's French. It's, it's a Les French. Monsieur. Monsieur. I, I don't know. Say. We, we went, uh, we went by Leisure. So <laughs> we went by Leisure. But I actually found out about that in the family tree. And there's a lot of things actually about my family that I learned from uh, a second cousin that I only met through 23andMe. So that's cool. Wow. Yeah, I, I learned about uh, I learned about my family tree going back about five generations and how it's not new within my family that there's actually a line that's gone back at least five generations, all the way back to my family being in Missouri and Tennessee, who that there's been like an issue with like we're kind of screwed up <laughs> so david since you're still going through it pretty hard i mean i'm going through it too and like i this is why well, this i'm going is, through it in a different rate oh I'm no not, and that's the thing we all are going through our own things at our own rates but i'm going we're all going through it and like i talked to my mom today i've been talking to her about like what happened for years but i finally had the discussion with her about why the purpose my intentions and that i'm not trying to demonize her because, you know, I love my mom. I'm not broken on the inside. She didn't break me. That event didn't break me. Um, all the events in my life didn't break me. That's why I'm all right. Uh, let me ask you, though, David. So you're on a path of recovery, a path of healing. I think it probably helps better now that I have I a surrounding of people. Yeah. But that that helped me out with that. What do you think? What's the number one issue? If you could, if you could lay it out, if you could see your biggest shortcoming character-wise, what is it? I have a lot of bad flaws, actually. I well, think about it for again. a second, and I'm going to read the Hood Conservative Culture and Politics Review. I like this guy. For anybody that doesn't know that, I like the Hood Conservative. I think that's such a good name. Uh, intentional single motherhood is a thing. There's a ton of money and ideological cover directed at women who, sh who choose to be single moms, whether from conception or through separation. That's true too. We should not normalize that unless the father, for instance, is like, say a sexual predator. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. If you're intentionally being uh, a single mother because you made the mistake of sleeping with a guy who was a sexual predator. All right. But like we're accountable with who we sleep with. We're accountable 
for all of it. Our babies don't ask to be who ask who their daddies are. Our babies don't ask for this to be their mother. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I, t- I tweeted out the other day, gentlemen, don't sleep with a woman that you're not okay with being around for 18 years. You have to pick someone who's going to be okay for your kids, even if you're just horny. Just, you know, that's a thing. People do that. You know, do you. <laughs> wear protection. For God's sakes, just wear a condom. They suck, I know, but just do it. It'll save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It'll save a child a difficult life. You know, you got a, those old Alyssa Milano commercials. There are children in Africa, and they are starving every day. For less than a dollar a day, you can help them. Well, for less than a dollar, you can save a child an unhappy life. Right. Oh, gets me. That's a whole other topic, though, Mr. Hood Conservative, because, I mean, there are some situations of, like, where dads die. Yeah. Where moms die. And, you know, you have this saying where it takes a village. That doesn't exist in America. Our Western culture, our American culture, we're completely separate from our neighbors. We go to work separately. We live together separately. They are not in our houses. They are not in our business. And so we have to be more careful with who we choose to do these important things with for ourselves as well as for our children. So good that I quit drugs. I quit drugs, everybody. If anybody didn't know, I'm like on it. Yeah, that's right. I had a drug problem. What's up? I got no shame. That's good. I'm, gl- yeah. I'm actually glad that you start that conversation on Twitter. And you, I, I feel like it kind of invites people to go, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm recovering too. Or, you know, it kind of gets that camaraderie going. I like that. Well, that's the thing. Like, and this ties into what we're talking about. Because I, no matter what, like, you're going to, it's an insane amount of pain that you're going to have to go through emotionally to get out of this stuff, to get through it. Yeah. And you know what? Different things affect diff people differently. So they're going to hurt mm-hmm. in different ways than different, different levels. That's why you can't compare yourself. Mm-hmm. David Williams. Oh. <laughs> this is what I'm getting at. Mr. David Williams. I use drugs for sanity. <laughs> I use drugs to hide from those emotions. I use drugs so that I didn't have to hurt. I didn't, I mean, they're fun, but that's why I used them because I was able to forget about my problems, whether it was a little bit of weed or a a bunch of heroin didn't matter. And I did both. Not the heroin. I quit a long time ago. Just saying. Let's see. The problem is that condoms are choosing better, although both are necessary. The issue that one party is punished by the state. Yes, that's a whole nother conversation again, Mr. Hood Conservative. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. You know, there's an inequality with talking about custody and, and child rights and parental rights in this country. There's a there men are at an extreme disadvantage. You know, and while it's while it does happen, women do pay child support and they're paying child support more and more. It's automatically a man's thing. Let me give you an example of a real fucked up situation. My older brother was married to this lady. They had three kids together. They're wonderful. I love those kids. She she stepped out on him and got pregnant by another man. That baby was born 
while they were married. My older brother got put on that child's birth certificate as a default because he was legally married to his wife. And it took tooth and nail to get that kid off of his child support payment. Mm -hmm. And he had to pay for another person's kid. By default, there was no legal process. Men are imprisoned every day in this country because they can't, they have to pay for child support. And while it is your duty as a man to take care of your kids, if you do not take care of your kids, I condemn you. And you are a piece of garbage. You are lower than low mm -hmm. because you are, you're no man. I'll readily say you're not a fucking man. And don't even don't even consider calling because you're not the same as me. You're not the same as Barrington. You're not the same as Mr. David Walker. And same goes to women who don't take care of their kids. You're you're not a woman. You're a piece of shit. Cause like, ah. But there is an imbalance. That's a whole nother conversation. Thank you, Mr. Hood Conservative, because you know, we're gonna I'm gonna write that down. That's gonna be a salon topic. That's a salon topic unto itself, and we need to have it. Because it's unfair. It's unjust. And actually, it's funny. The system we have today was originally designed for the wealthy. If anybody has anything to say, I'm going to write this down. 1,000%. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Barrington. I mean, you have a different perspective. You have your parents from all... I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm not shitting on you. You have wonderful parents. Oh, 1,000%. Yeah, and that's like... Like, when we, when we have these types of discussions, I think that, like... It goes to show that a lot of these racial implications that we put on scenarios don't even matter at the end of the day. And this is why I always, you know, raise the conversation that like we need to stop like holding on to these stereotypes and attaching them to race because it's simply not the case at like at all. Um, you know, I'm my position is a little bit different from David's because I think that um, in my personal experiences, you know, the nuclear family has done well for me, but I think it's important to note that. It wasn't a, probably until last year I really had to understand that I grew up in an extended family. And what I mean by that is, like in my neighborhood, like like within a fifty feet radius, like there were family members' houses next to mine. So like, oh, that's cool. So like my my dad's mother stayed three houses down to my right. My mom's mom stayed four houses down, so like straight forward. My aunts and uh, two of my aunts stayed in this like walking distance from my house growing up. A cousin staying like on streets over. The church we go to state is right directly across the street. Like I know what it's like to grow up. I don't want to say necessarily in a village, but everybody in the neighborhood watches out for everybody. Like I know what it's like to grow well, up. Your, your family was there. Your family yes. was actually your family. Yes. My, my family was, yes. My, my community was my family basically. And so in like my siblings and I know what it's like to like, all right, if we do something and our parents are not around, like they're going to find out. And not only they're going to find, not only are they going to find out, like we're going to catch a fade from whoever houses, whoever, whoever sees us, that's one fade. And then they're going to hop on the phone and tell my grandma or my aunt. And then they're going to hop on the phone. And be like, yeah. And I'm going to see daddy when he gets off of work. That's a problem. Like, nah, we're good. And so, the thing about it is, you know, people tend to, to forget like family is where it starts because good families build good communities. 
and good communities. Well, they built good people community. who build good communities, yes, who build yes. good towns, who build the good nations. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's 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 it all. It's like the little things, little things like that, like the camaraderie um, within the household. But I think it's I'm I'm learning a lot from you guys because I think it shows it's showing me that like. I've always been like more so geared thinking about the positive things more so than the negative, because I swear out of like the, all the hard stuff that I had to deal with with my parents as an, as an adult now, looking back at it, I appreciate it because it taught, it taught me important lessons that I needed as a kid that like my, some of my friends are just now discovering in their thirties that I learned in my teens. That's a blessing. Whether, whether or not, I didn't make I didn't probably want to deal with those things back in the day, but I'm glad I did I dealt with them then because now you see it or it, it comes back up. It's oh that's nothing. And do you know what the positive side is too? And I'm gonna show these two comments here in a second, David and Mr. Hood Conservative. Um wish I knew your real name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um you know what? Going through trauma, living through it. If you don't let it make you into a, a brittle person, I like to put it this way. The adversities in life are the hammers in, it, in a blacksmith's forge and you are the steel. And if you, get hit, if, if you are tempered correctly, you'll become stronger than ever. You'll become more resilient. You'll be able to respond to, to any situation much better. You'll become adaptable. And this is where my, my gift in life is, is I'm extremely adaptable. So there's a positive to it too. It just depends on how you process these things. You know, you can come out on top. And I and I hope everybody does. Like we can come out on top. We can come out on top everybody. We can win. There is if there is a win to this and it's important. Boom, Mr. Hood conservative. I love you. As a, as like a man, I appreciate your freaking voice. You have yes. great things to say, sir. All right. Yes. So this is child support stuff. This happened to me, not the child support, but the first part, stepping out. Also, you need to smash the patriarchy, bro, equally. Yeah, we need to have equal laws. I can make the serious case that men are oppressed far more than women. It depends on the situation, I think. But most cases, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably, as far as the legal legalities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Yeah, on the legality. Oh, leg oh, yeah. I could smash the income equality argument too, real fucking fast. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very easy. That's so easy. That's very easy. That's, that's uh, very easy to do. But like, this is all I want. Like, like what you have there, Barrington, what your growing up experiences is what I want for everybody. I want families to be families. I want yeah. communities to look out for each other. Because, like, bro, if if I'm if I'm a healthy person and I live in a neighborhood, I I know my neighbors and stuff. I'm gonna look out for them. Because they're my friends. They're my neighbors. That's man. how it should be. It shouldn't be like you shouldn't be in your neighborhood and you know, some people, let's say a robbery or a break in happened. You're you don't want your neighbors to be like, Well, at least it wasn't my house. What? Like, what? No. No, anytime something happens to someone in your community, it happens to you because that's how close it is. Like you could have easily been the house that a criminal wanted to hit. But something that we don't see today is that everybody is like are so caught up into being so individualistic. We don't have that sense of camaraderie that we have. Like, for example, if all of us four lived on the same street, I, I, oh, I feel so like, fun. yeah, like, like, I feel like 
you know, it would be, you know, um, important for us to build some type of rapport because any if in, if I saw any like any anyone else enter your house or look like they was doing something suspicious by your house, you guys would want me to tell you or at least want me to watch out for you, right? Like or call I the cops. Yes, or call the cops or something. That's common decency. But now, like especially here in my town, like people will be like, "Well, they didn't break into my stuff, so you know, you I hope things get better for you." Like that's BS. Like what? Like no. Yeah, we live in a very individualistic society now. Selfish. That's selfish. Let's say selfish because individualism is supposed to also mean that you care about other people. But I think we've I think we've overshot it though, Andrew. Overshot like, it. I think I think we've overshot it. Like like okay. for example, I think that. On one end, society teaches you, like, growing up, and this is, I think my parents did an excellent job. Society always wanted to teach you that you're just like everybody else, that you're not special, you're, you're, you're just like everybody else. And you tend to, if you display some type of individualism, you, it, it's seen as a bad thing. But then now, you know, we've moved to this era where everything is for for self gratification, everything's for self. Like, like make yourself feel good, love yourself, live in your own truth, things of that nature, right? And so, what happens is, just like I said, you tend to overshoot it. Yes, you're supposed to have self confidence. Yes, you're supposed to have self respect. Yes, you're supposed to have self love and not taking things, you know, or that are detrimental towards you. But you're not supposed to love yourself or have this this idea of self that's so higher that you tend to negate everybody else around you or you tend to dull the light of other people. The point of being the point of self-love is to allow your light to shine so bright that you help somebody else's light or you help somebody else see their light. People tend to forget that. And so they get caught up into this me, 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 me. Or as long as it don't happen to me, then that's okay. And that's not okay. It yeah. should be like, I want you to feel like, like my thing is personally, I want everybody that, that, that messes with me or calls me friend to feel how I feel about themselves. The way that I feel about me, I want everybody around me to feel that way. And the yeah. reason that is because I know for a fact, I know for a fact, if this ever a time that I'm feeling down, I can use you to help me get back up and vice versa. And that's yeah. how it should be. In my opinion, at least. No, and that's that's how we operate behind closed doors. And a lot of people don't understand, like, Barrington and David are my fucking boys. Like, like I'd go, I'd go, I'd get in a gunfight for these fellas. And I'm serious. I've been in gunfights. I've been in a firefight or seven. I'd do it for these guys. Like, and how I, and what I'm saying here, like, I would just want other people. It's the same thing as you, Barrington. Same fucking thing. And, may, and I'm glad you made this distinction because, like, I missed that. I missed the I missed the mark on that one, as far as trying to get that across. And you did an excellent job. And I'm glad you brought that up because, like, yeah, we have to worry about it, our individual selves, but but a certain amount of that goes to caring about other people. Uh, yeah, I've I, said this before. Sorry, David. I'm going to let you speak I, in a second. I've said this before. If you belong to a community, you're taking from it. And it, and yeah. and if you want your community to improve, you need to give more you than give. you take. Yes, absolutely. And that doesn't cost money; that costs some of your time, some of your life. Where you invest your love is where you invest your life. That's Mumford and Sons. That's a lyric. Totally true. Go ahead, Mister David Walker. 
I was gonna say. Sorry, I'm dominating the show today. I'm so passionate. Well, well, you're also you're also kind of you know this is something that's very important to Andrew. So I totally get it today, and it's something that I actually try to keep hidden in some ways. But neither, but you know, I'm fine spilling out a little bit today. But nevertheless, um, you know, reaching out to someone, I feel like I feel like would brighten someone's day, and not only that, will kind of help them cope as well. I'll tell you this: it took. And I know you got you prepare to laugh, but it actually took two major external events in my life, positive events in my life that has finally started to turn me around over the last couple of years. And the first one was moving to Charlotte and this job. And the second one was the girl that I'm dating right now. Hey, That's, I, I shout actually, out to half work. Yeah. I'm so happy no, I, for you. She has so. been. I will say this publicly. I've known Mr. David Walker for a long time yeah. now. Uh, I'm just calling her anonymously by Hathor. She does not. Yeah. She has a very private yeah. life. So she's, she's Hathor. That's all that matters. So yeah. <laughs> she is a goddess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Since, since she got involved in your life, you have been a more bubbly, wonderful person. And like the person that I like, the person that I respect has become more and more of an open person. Because it does take others. And this is a good example of what I was talking. You need to find somebody that you trust. Someone that, that only cares about you. They don't care about what they can get from you. They don't care about what they can you can do for them. But someone that you just trust. Because they like you because you're you. Right. And you know. And, and that's the thing. Like You got to find that. And if you can't find that. And you don't love who you are. Then you have to take stock and see. Who. You want to be because that's a hard one too. And we haven't talked about that. So if you're like, if you hate yourself because you're a liar or a chronic masturbator or something like that, <laughs> well, that's a serious, I'm not even laughing about that. That's a serious issue. I'm sorry. That just came out of nowhere. I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> I mean, like that's a real problem. I'm so immature. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's a real problem. And I like, all anybody that's watching, if you suffer from that, I'm not making light of your situation. All right. I'm dead serious. It's a genuine problem. Um, you got to look and see like, what would I want to be and make baby steps. That's why like, I uh, <laughs> don't, I don't care. Dr. Jordan Peterson, you can make fun of him all you want. This is why he has the rule of make your bed because you have to start small. You can't just fix it all overnight. You can't, you can't fix it overnight. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of work, but it's for you and nobody else. And you got to push towards it because you're worth it because you're worth loving. Everybody is worth loving. Love yourself. I'm not even a Christian. All right. And I'm not even like spouting out Christian shit. I'm a Jew and a recently like freaking out and disinterested in my religion kind of Jew. Love yourself. That's where it begins. And once you love yourself, love your neighbor. If you're feeling down about yourself and you need something to make yourself feel better, help someone. Say something nice to someone. Compliment someone. Make them feel better. That'll make you feel better. It's a lot of little things like that. I actually said... uh... Uh, tweeted out yesterday that uh, you know people really shouldn't underestimate the power of a good morning text or a good night text because you know just uh, having someone to 
you know, just to know that someone cares enough to go like stop and think about you and makes you go like, Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. And then your mood is lifted. So, mm -hmm. you know, Barrington starts his Twitter day out every day like that. Good morning, beautiful people. And I've been seeing more people do it too. It inspires more people to be kind. First thing in the morning. That's really is so crucial. Yeah, it's very important. My mother always told me like it, it doesn't cost anything to smile to anybody. You know what I'm saying? And so that specific tweet is like my smile to everybody because I mean like everybody like we're human beings like everybody deserves love like everybody you know what i'm saying unless you're a child molester but sexual predator yes yes because yes, rapists like, too they're like 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 no there's no love for you but everybody else like everybody deserves to know that some someone or something in the world feels like like without them the world cannot go on everybody deserves to feel that way and yeah. so I think that, you know, it's important, even if like this is why I've always used to say on Twitter, like even if I don't know you, I love you more than anything else in the world, because it's the truth, because without you, you you are important to somebody that's living in the world and whether or not, you know, they they show you or make you feel their way doesn't matter to me. You're going to get it from me because you just never know what people are going through personally. There's a stoic and stoic philosophy. I'm really big into neo-stoicism because that helped me. Uh, it helped me get introspective, which is important that you be introspective. Uh, there's a saying, Marcus Aurelius said it. We are all a part of a part of the advancement of mankind. That person that you're saying good morning to, that person you're saying hi to, that person you're saying is that is important. There is much of a part of your life as anybody else. Mm -hmm. criminals cannot exist or police cannot exist without criminals government cannot exist without populations mothers cannot exist without children fathers cannot exist without children wives cannot exist without a spouse same with husbands we're all apart we're all tied in together and this is where this is why you have these ideologies that are like collectivism and individualism you know when i say abandon ideology Ooh, because it gets it gets mixed up so quickly to where you're saying this is important. No, this is important. Both are true. Mm -hmm. Both are true. Society at large is important, but the rights of the individual is what up upholds our society. And if we have healthy individuals, we'll have a healthy society. If we don't have healthy individuals, if we don't have healthy families, if we don't have healthy connections in our lives... We can have none of it. We will fall into disrepair and we will we will stumble back into the dark ages eventually. Because at some point, hurt people, hurting people, hurting people, hurting people on and on exponentially will lead us to destruction. And it all starts with one thing. It's loving yourself enough to pursue the truth. That's it. Truth and love in the same thing. Love yourself enough to be honest. No matter what that what that is, no matter what the outcome, be honest. It'll be the best. I promise you. And that's pretty much it. That's I think like beautiful. We're gonna maybe you guys have anything let's let's close this topic off because I have a couple of things that I want to talk about. The thing I want to add yeah, I, and I have a couple things too. So <laughs> go okay. for it, Abyss. 
it continues the conversation. <laughs> I was gonna say the one thing that we have to battle more than anything else are narcissists and narcissist personalities because there's no freaking cure for that. And there's a lot of people, especially people in power right now, it, you know, we've got politicians, we've got all those people who have those, clearly have those personalities and are making terrible decisions. And they, they literally know that they're doing that and they don't care because they're power-based. And that that's all they care about is how do they, I get money and power and I don't care how I, you know, how I get it. Excellent point. Mr. David. Oh, no, I, I was going to say that uh, I don't have anything else to add about this topic. I think Viz and you have definitely wrapped this one up really well. Well, that's, I was, Viz came on, was like, hey, you want, can I, do you need a guest? And then I had this conversation and see, I, Viz is one of the nicest people on Twitter. Um, she's nicer than Barrington. Because, because, because Barrington will uh, mock people sometimes. That's not so nice, <laughs> but they deserve uh, it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, no, honestly, I could be, I, a, enjoy I, it. I, I could literally be a tyrant, but I just choose not to be. Yeah, because it's wrong. Yeah, it's not nice. It's wrong. Well, you know, uh, it was interesting. I'm so glad we had this salon, this conversation, because, um, you know, the one thing is a, a lot of people, my, my most favorite thing is when people tweet at me and they get mad that I'm nice. They get mad. And I'm like, why are you upset? And they're like, I actually had somebody, somebody who was following you, Barrington, they, they got mad at me and they chased me around for like two hours, calling me a fraud. And I would not let I would not give into that. I was like, sir, I don't know what is your problem today, but I'm like, I'm just being mean. And he's like, no, you're not. You're being fake. You're being fake for virtue signal signaling or whatever. And I'm like, no, I am being nice because I literally was not shown the same kind of kindness growing up. So now as an adult that I'm free to do whatever I want, I choose to pour all of the love I can back into people because I know they're hurting. They're all hurting. They all need to hear this. All of you yeah. need love. So I'm like, <laughs> and I'm gonna put this. I'm gonna put this on the record and say that Viz is honestly one of the most approachable people in the Yang Gang that I know. <laughs> and I probably with, is the most approachable person. I I've hung out with Viz in private, and she's the same on air as she is off. She's it's the same on Twitter as off. <laughs> I mean, I can confirm that easily. Like Thank it's, you. it's I'm, I'm not yeah. a fraud. <laughs> You're not a fraud. It's fucking yeah. dumb. But I just but, laugh. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the only thing you can do is just laugh. I, I know plenty of frauds on Twitter. You're not and one that, of this. So like, this is the cool thing too. Like, you know, we were able to talk about this really difficult topic. Uh, and we now have the technology to reach people, common people like ourselves. Uh, achievements aside, we're all common people. We're all Americans here. Unless you're a foreigner, you're probably still common. There, there's no, no such thing as nobility in America. We have created fake levels of nobility, but there is no level of nobility. We are all peasants. We are all kings. We are all emperors and empresses and queens. And that's a beautiful thing about our country. And the more that regular people have conversations about this to where it's like, you need to do this to heal. It's not okay to put your problems onto others unless you ask. It's not okay to try to heal by hurting and that you need to love yourself and not for me, not for Viz, not for anybody, but for you and potentially your children, your children, if anything, if you have kids and you don't love yourself, man, you need to work on that because those kids are going to see that shit. 
Yes. They're going to, kids have an instinct about these things. And it's beautiful that we're able to do this. And we're probably going to cover this conversation more and more as we go into the future because it's so important. And it ties into the, the very same message in which we are trying to get at here is how to make our society better, how to have better discourse, how to treat each other better, how to live together as Americans. Because that's what we are. Yes. And also, I want to add because uh, there is no government policy that's going to make people better people. And the only thing that's going to do that is if we take the initiative and take the step ourselves to be better people. Like, like I, I don't understand why, why people think that like we can legitimately go to bed tonight and wake up and every system, every agency, everything will be perfect. But we will see that we will still face the same problem because human beings are imperfect creatures yeah. who sometimes don't care about any other entity outside of themselves. So once we're able to love each other and love ourselves, Mostly, like Andrew said earlier, like I just feel like self-love is honestly the answer to all of the problems we have, like to answer to everything, because if without you love being yourself, narcissistic. Yes, because if you love yourself the way that you like supposed to love yourself, not only will you not take anything from anybody else, but you will start to understand that there are certain things you would not want to see your fellow man or woman, country man and country woman go through. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, you shouldn't. There, there, need, there has to be a sense of empathy and compassion for, for a person to where, like, you shouldn't be able to see someone hurt and just be like, oh, I'm just going to mind my business. That's not okay. Like, like that's that's not ingrained within us from a soul perspective, in my in my opinion, that is. That's taught. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that, that that's like there's there's a certain sense of humanity that I feel like we all possess well, that we you want, like, go ahead. You want an example of that, Barrington? What's go ahead? You get a bunch of toddlers together, and they play together on the uh, playground. There, it could be random toddlers. They just met. They decided they were friends. They're going to play in the sandbox or slide down the slide or whatever. One of them gets hurt. They all get hurt. <laughs> the other toddlers are usually very sweet, and yes. they go make sure their little friend is okay. Yes, that's our instinctive reaction, and mm -hmm. we have taught ourselves not to do that. Yep. And that's sad. That's very sad. Let's wrap it up with that for, for this topic, because I have a really cool announcement. This Monday, we all, know who, we all know who Mike Lindell is. And if we don't, he's the MyPillow CEO guy. The man who is banned from Twitter, the man who is being sued for uh, defamation, for, elect for alleging electoral fraud. Yeah. Um, Oh he is launching his new platform, Frank, live. And I'm going to be there. No. <laughs> I'm going to live stream the event so that everybody can see what he says and what's going on. Oh, boy. We, it's it's going to be awesome. So even if you don't agree with him, it'll be very informative and very entertaining. Okay. I've got things to say about, about it. Well, for sure. I mean, I it's... I, I mean, it's people should have access to the media is what I'm saying. No, no, I, I understand that. I, I totally get that. And that part is cool. And honestly, it's great that you're doing that, Andrew. It's just the platform itself. Like, if you ever get that guy on the show, I got plenty of things to say. You, you, you oh, want to yeah, know? Sure. I'm going to oh, try yeah, to sure. talk to him. Uh, I was say, oh, yeah, sure. You're free to say whatever you want to say as long as what I want you to say. Come on. Well, it's funny. I saw a rule that he said that it's a free speech platform, but you can't take the Lord's name in vain. 
So that's kind of <laughs> ironic. But that's not the point. Like whether I agree with him or disagree with him, the whole point is that I'm going to go cover the event. You'll be able to catch it here live. I will be there live. There will no there won't be any media twisting. I will not put a perspective on the stream. You will see what he has to say. You'll be able to take it for what it is. If you dislike him, watch it. If you like him, watch it. That way you can take in the true source and actually understand what happened. And if you want that opportunity, well, you've got it right here on the Coffee and Cocaine Show. Thanks to yours truly. Also, I'm going to be, I'll be end up getting, I'll get a, from what I understand, I'm going to get his report that ele- that gives his proof of, of election fraud. So we'll be able to go over that on the show as well. And I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, because either way, it'll be fun to look at it. And whether it's fucking pick apartable or not, we'll find out. I'm not making any uh, judgments beforehand. Because that's not how you should in, uh, pursue journalism. Because that's All what right. this is. Right. This is legitimate journalism that's going to happen here. Spread the word. Coffee and cocaine show. S- tell your friends. Send them to subscribe us to us uh you know we got merch coming we got a website being designed we've got oh, all kinds of wonderful things one more thing i gotta thank you all for the last walker sessions episode absolutely awesome thank you so much guys thank you oh so successful and yeah. david walker you know you do you're doing a phenomenal job thank over you. there if you haven't checked out david walker in the walker sessions you should sure do that um follow miss Vizerant on twitter at well Vizerant. <laughs> you can just look at that <laughs> it's the old, she's the one. Um, same with Barrington, David, you know, odds are, you know who we are. If not, find Barrington. He's the easiest and you can get us from there. Um, we thank you all. Uh, do you have, you guys have any closing statements you want to say to anybody before I, I do the, my whole little spiel? Yes. I hope that you still keep doing journalism unbiased. Cause I was just talking about that the other day, how we don't have a lot of that and we need more people willing to just tell the truth about what's going on and not try to spin it some crazy way. I'm just so psyched for you about that. So yay. speaking, speaking of journalism, speaking of unbiased journalism, actually my next guest on the Walker sessions, not tonight, but next Saturday is going to be Stacia Wilson who runs second look news, who is doing just that. So nice. Love you. Yeah. Thank you. Aisha. I just want to say you. to her this picture, cause I've seen your Twitter picture. This picture is really flattering compared to your other one. I'm just saying, but I mean, I mean that as like a friend. That's a good picture. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Next week, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will have the Coffee and Cocaine Show Salon number 16. Sweet 16. Sweet 16. Thank you, everybody, Ooh. for all your support. You know, tell your friends. Share the message. Share the channel. Put us out there. Love yourself. We are, oh, and love yourself. Love very yourself. most. Because we love you. Thank you, everybody, and we will catch you next time on the Coffee and Cocaine Show.